When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, Secret Squad. This is an episode of I've Got a Secret that I know you're all going to love. I am so fascinated by the world of astrology and how it affects our moods, personality, and decision-making. We can all read our horoscopes in the newspaper, but that's really just scratching the surface. Today, I'm talking with astrologist, Aliza Kelly. Aliza is widely known for her talents in the field working with many celebrities and authoring multiple best-selling books. She's here to teach us how to use astrology to strengthen relationships, get to know ourselves better, and how to get the most out of our lives. And if you listen until the end of this episode, Aliza is going to give us some insight on what we can expect from this upcoming summer. This is The Secret to the Stars. Welcome, Aliza. Thank you so much, Robin. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, wow. You are just so welcome. I hope you can just even tell in my voice how really excited I am about this podcast with you today. It's such an honor to have you on my podcast, first of all. And I am like over the moon in love with this topic. I am also. <laughs> I. It's kind of amazing because when I first started working in this and I first started studying it, I really did not know that this was going to become my career for my life. And here I am 10 years later and just still as smitten by it as I was when I first found it. Oh, gosh, I really wish we were in person, but I want the secret squad out there to know that we're doing this virtually. But I don't know. I don't know what it is about you, but you have this power, this radiance that even though we're virtual, I can feel your passion. I can feel your energy about the topic. Oh, that's so kind to say. I actually feel the same way about you. (laughs) And I did do a little bit of snooping and I saw that I think you're a Capricorn, right? Yes, yes. Amazing. I'm a Capricorn rising. Really? Yes. And my very best friend in the entire world since we've known each other since we were six is also a Capricorn. So I am very, I love Capricorns. I love Capricorn energy. I think that it is, it's really grounding and very anchoring for me. Love it. See, I'm just on the edge of my chair waiting to hear (laughs) everything you have to say. And so I love that you had that to say already about Capricorns. Yes. So I, I mean, there's just, astrology is one of the reasons I love it so much is that it is just, it's a very social language. Um, Astrology is an incredible way to get to know yourself and get to know each other. And it's kind of like the ultimate icebreaker when you are meeting someone and you're connecting for the first time to be able to say like, oh, when is your birthday? What's your sign? And to find those commonalities, like it might seem gimmicky, but it's actually like a really lovely way of fortifying soulful connections with people. I totally agree with you because I find it very fun, but I also find it very interesting and very spot on. And maybe it is because I'm so into it and so really do enjoy it because whenever I have a chance to do research or read so much more about the signs and about my own or about someone I know, it's crazy how it fits. 
I know. I think it's crazy too. It really blows my mind. You know, there's something so, I, I have this little expression that I say, tank, there are no coincidences. And I think that sometimes the synchronicities of astrology are, I mean, they, they are mind boggling to me and it's, you know, the, the magic of it and the sort of the mystery and how elusive and how accurate it is, is never lost on me because as I'm working with people and I've worked with thousands of people through my practice, there are some things that I'll say, you know, like it could manifest this way. You could have seen this in your life. And it is so literal. It is so exact that it's, you know, tank is the only thing to say. You can't make this up. There are no coincidences. That's so true. Can you tell everyone out there listening, the origins of astrology is any aspect of it rooted in science? Wow, that is a really profound question because by our present day understanding of science, no. You can't validate astrology through the scientific method. And the scientific method is really how we determine whether something is or isn't scientifically viable. Um, So as of today, no. Astrology is not a science. I would say astrology is an art. Astrology is a language. Astrology is a tool. It is an incredible way of developing self-awareness, of cultivating relationships, of bringing sort of empathy and compassion into self and into your interpersonal dynamics to make sense of the chaos of, of this moment, of all the moments. I would say what, what is interesting, though, is that at one point, astrology was indeed a science, and it, there was no separation between astrology and astronomy. Of course, in the Enlightenment, those broke out, and we were able to sort of start studying the universe without also infusing concepts of soul and personality and fate and destiny into that exploration. But a lot of the origins of astrology and what we still find with astrology is they make sense. You know, a lot of the premises that we have and a lot of the ways that we structure the archetypes around certain planets or celestial bodies and zodiacal signs, like they still make sense because they were approached and they were cultivated scientifically. There are so many different types of astrology. I practice Western tropical astrology, which was really cultivated in sort of classical antiquity and through the Greeks and Romans. But there's Vedic astrology that comes from India. There's Chinese astrology. There's Korean astrology. So what we'll find is that most ancient cultures had some sort of astrological system, had some sort of a wheel that represented um, the, the zodiac and had different archetypes associated with it. So I think that there is something very human about astrology and our interest in astrology. I love that. I think it's so interesting to talk about how the planets can affect our energy. You can see it affect ocean tides. So why not us, right? Yes, there are actually even, you know, right now at the time of this recording, we're in eclipse season and there's a lot of correlation scientifically proven between eclipses and nature, eclipses and earthquakes. So there are these incredible uh, correspondences that transcend just sort of like the mythology of astrology. (laughs) I guess that was like a perfect rhyme. But, you know, even beyond that, yes, our bodies are comprised of majority water. We know that the moon and its gravitational pull affects water. So obviously we're going to be affected by the oscillation, but that's just one thing that we can sort of put our finger on and point to. The other things are beyond maybe even our comprehension, but to allow that curiosity and that room for possibility, that sort of liminal space is really where I like to play because I think that that's where um, a lot of sort of conversations that are hard to have occur. Mm -hmm. 
How did you become so passionate about the field, especially at such a young age? Well, I was having a really hard time. I, um, I had a very difficult childhood. I had a very difficult adolescence. And by the time I was in my early 20s, I felt very fragmented. And I was having a very difficult time making sense of what I wanted to do with my life, like many people in their early 20s. But for me, it also, you know, there was this, the stakes felt very high. Um, I was sort of reconciling a lot of trauma at that time that I had endured. And I was, it was really scary to sort of face these things and figure out like, am I equipped to be able to move into my adulthood as a functional person? And astrology was the thing that started to make sense to me. When I started to discover the nuances embedded in my birth chart, vis-a-vis the nuances embedded in me, it allowed me to have more compassion and understanding for the parts of myself that felt too scary or too difficult or too... Uh, it's just, just too incomprehensible to really put my finger on. And then suddenly there were these words associated with it. And there was language that I could use to describe how I truly felt. And it just helped sort of bring my life together and make things whole. Wow. Was there someone that steered you to that or did you just happen upon it? Because again, I agree with you, there are no accidents. So how did you find it? Well, it's really interesting because I had an uncle um, who passed away when I was four and I did not know that he was an astrologer. I, that was, I had no idea that that was part of his own narrative. Um, so independently, I'm living in Los Angeles. Well, I guess I was living in Los Angeles. Anything can happen when you're doing that. But I was in Los Angeles and I was starting to explore astrology and I came back home to New York and I was telling my mom like, oh, I'm not just a Leo. I'm also a Pisces moon and I'm a Capricorn rising. I'm finding all these things. And she was like, oh yeah, what about your Pluto? Jeremy really was obsessed with that. And I was like, what are you talking about? And lo and behold, she pulls out this hand calculated birth chart that my uncle had made for me when I was born that I had no idea that I had never seen in my life that like, you know, and to hand calculate a birth chart is a skill that most astrologers today don't have because we have software. So it was like, you know, I could see the protractor indentations on this piece of paper. And I have goosebumps just even now recalling it because it really, I, I didn't know that that was already embedded into my own life, but there it was. And the things that she remembered him saying about, who I was all checked out and he passed away when I was four. So I haven't had a chance to ever speak with him about it, but hearing it recounted through her and seeing this sort of proof of some connection, some thread, it was really profound. Oh, I love it. (gasps) That gave me body chills. Do astrology readings require a level of intuition or is it purely research-based? The answer is no. You could do a very technical reading that would um, that where you would just be doing things based on in a very academic way, almost like going to a doctor and having a checkup, you know, where it's like, no, I don't want the emotion. I don't want the, I don't want to know what's going on behind the scenes. It can be very clinical. Um, that's not how I practice. I am a very intuitive person. I'm a very sensitive person. Um, and I really see my work as poetry, as an art form and as a dialogue. So I like to work with my clients to, not just be didactic and sort of dictate to them what I have, whatever pre-assumptions I have about things, but see how those things truly unfold in their life and what they mean to them. So it becomes a conversation as opposed to just a monologue. Uh Oh, that's so beautiful. I truly believe I'm very intuitive. 
So if I had a reading or I was going to do a reading, I could not do it without my intuition being a part of it. So I love love that you said that. I I think that it, you know, when I was younger and I started, uh, you know, working with my friends and my family sort of casually, I wanted to make sure that my technical chops were really strong. So I kind of turned off the intuition so that I could really know what I was talking about from this, you know, the more scientific clinical standpoint. But as I've gotten older and I've sort of embodied that wisdom and I don't need to prove myself anymore, I've turned the intuition on and I allow the the astrology sessions I have to be this sort of all-encompassing mystical experience as opposed to just something that is anchored in the chart itself. Wow. I'm so impressed. You know, I've had episodes on numerology, psychic intuition, and tarot. Does astrology offer insight into your life that is unique from these other methods? I think it does because it is a really complex language. It is a very, very rich language. Um, And there's a lot of attribution, ancient attribution that has already been assigned to the planets and the zodiac signs. So to see what the sky looked like at the moment that you were born and to use that as the sort of visual diagram for your personality, the recurring themes that come up in your life, the the relationships that you have, how you feel about relationships, it almost allows you to step outside of yourself and see yourself from this sort of um, bird's eye view or like satellite eye view, if you will, and have a greater sense of not just like what you're doing, but why you're doing it. And I, I think that that's the strength of astrology is that you can also bring in psychology. You could bring in family dynamics. You could bring in lineage. You could bring in the past and you can get some really concrete answers and directions for where to look to go deeper. I love it. So can astrology predict the future? So I like to say that in a way, astrology is kind of like a clock. And in the same way that if you always get the mail at 3 p.m. at like 2.45, you'll be like, oh, I'm probably going to get the mail in 15 minutes. Astrology is basically adding more dials to that clock. So instead of it just being seconds, minutes, and hours, we also have a 28-day hand, which is the moon, and a year-long hand, which is the sun, and then 12 years for Jupiter and 30 years for Saturn. So it's not so much about saying this is going to happen. It's using that tools to be like, oh, would you look at the time in about 15 minutes you're due for this so you can anticipate what's going to happen. Um, And you could propose some different sort of options for what that might look like. But of course, when three o'clock comes, you know, if there's a storm, maybe it's going to be a little delayed. Wow. Horoscopes get a bad rap for being overly general. But the types of horoscopes we're familiar with from, say, the New York Post or whatever, aren't a full representation of your personal astrology, right? Yes, that's totally correct. Love it. I love horoscopes. I write the horoscopes for Cosmopolitan. Horoscope writing is very par for the course for an astrologer. I see them as invitations. I see them as meditations. I see them as creative prompts. I don't see them as necessarily being the literal depiction of what is exactly going to happen in that day or week or month, but rather sort of why don't you tune into these energies and see what happens when you do. Um, And those are written for each of the 12 Zodiac signs, but they're not meant to be literal. Exactly. Because they have to be so general because you're writing for one horoscope sign, male, female, they have to be. 
So can you explain what sun signs are and why they're only a small piece of the puzzle? Yes. So the sun sign is the position of the sun at the moment that you were born. So it is, it shows where the sun, what zodiac sign the sun occupied. And the sun is really, really important, obviously. Like we rely on the sun every single day. It is consistent. It is, you know, we know the shape that it's going to take. And then we are also impacted by how much sun we get. We know, you know, in the winter, there's going to be less sun. In the summer, there's going to be more sun. So there's a lot of conditions of the sun that are really significant. And this is why it does play a very important role in our identity. It represents our ego, our person, the way that we show up, the way that we radiate, basically us acting as the sun in the sky. But There's also all of the other planets. There's also the position of where the sun was when you were born. There's the hour that it was when you were born. So it isn't, it can't be the only thing that we look at in an astrology reading, but it obviously, you know, the sun is an important part of being alive. So likewise, it's an important part of our astrological profile. Oh, wow. I cannot wait to have a true chart done for myself because, for example, I have a twin brother. So that makes a difference. Someone else was born, right? Five minutes after myself, correct? Yes. And we were born around 6 p.m. in the month of December, but I'm sure the sun was still prominent. A note on twins, I think that's really interesting. And this, I love to think about twins as an example of, because one of like my, you know, favorite uh, skeptic remarks is like, oh, but what about twins? You can't tell me those two people have the same lives. And from the moment that we are born, from the moment that we arrive, the environment starts to relate to us uniquely, individually. And based on the way, you know, for instance, two twins born, first of all, five minutes apart in astrology time is huge. It's major. You know, the charts are not going to look similar. They're going to be very different. But on top of that, you know, if one twin, let's say, was born and held by the mother, if one was held by the nurse, maybe one needed a little more attention, maybe one was like good to go and the other one, there was a little bit more health risk there, or one was ugly and one was beautiful. Like <laughs> yeah. those subliminal, subconscious reactions are already showing our charts unfold differently. So even if they look, even if they're born seconds apart, you know, a minute uh-huh. apart, the way that the external environment is going to respond to that is going to already show the birth charts reacting to the environment differently. So someone, and if, let's say they both have a moon in cancer, they're both really, you know, the role of the mother is really important. To the baby that gets held by the mother, to the baby that doesn't get held by the mother, they're already going to be metabolizing that energy so differently. <gasps> See, and I was born first... We were very premature, and I'm sure taken straight to an incubator because my mother had more work to do. She had to deliver my brother, and I have three older sisters at home. She gives birth to another girl, another daughter, and back then, this was 67 years ago, they did not have ultrasounds that would tell ahead of time what they were having. And then my brother, she delivers him, and I'm sure— because her work was done, she got to maybe hold my brother. Oh, we got the boy. We got a boy. We right, have four right, girls. Right, now right, we got a boy. Totally. Maybe there was more celebration or something. I don't know. But I feel like I was born with this idea that I was born first so I could take care of him. <laughs> I would say that that's probably true. And also, you know, already, you know, with you saying that story, I would be curious, where does that 
sort of self-reliance, that independence, that survival instinct show up in your chart, because I'm sure it does. Because if you already, if you had to already begin to self-soothe from the minute that you arrive, yep. I'm sure that that is a theme that is going to continue to play out throughout yes. your life. I, I I think you're right. I think you're right. But and with always making sure he's okay. Exactly. Okay. What are the other elements to understanding your personal astrology? So one should definitely get their birth chart calculated. And there are tons and tons of free resources online to do this. You don't need to have a protractor anymore. Um, you just need your date time and location of birth. And there are numerous different websites. I really like uh, an app called Time Passages because I think that it displays the information really beautifully and really easy to understand. The diagrams are nice. Um, but whether you use astro.com or Time Passages or AstroSeek or whatever, when you get that calculated, you're going to see your chart depicted in a 360 degree circle. And I think that what's really important to understand is that we are the entire sky. We are both what we can see above our heads and then also what's beneath the earth, what wouldn't have been visible to us. So we have every single zodiac sign in our birth chart. And over the course of our life, we're going to interact with every single zodiac sign um, by both the planets moving in the sky and then just also as we evolve as people. So we are not static. We are not fixed. We are constantly in motion and changing, which I think is really beautiful. Oh, I love that. Now, I want to tell the secret squad out there right now, don't panic that you didn't maybe write that down, but you can go to I've got a secret with robinmcgraw.com and we'll have those sites that Elisa just mentioned on I've got a secret with robinmcgraw.com. The first page of a book never tells the full story. And those news alerts and headlines, like the ones we get on our phones, don't even scratch the surface of what the story is really all about. Stories are like people, multi-layered and complex. It takes some digging to find the truth, but when we find it, it can change our world. We like to dig. The news on Merritt Street, essential television. Calm. I want to take this opportunity right now, Lisa, to talk about one of two things that we do on every podcast. And that is I have a drink of the day and I always create this drink for our podcast that we're doing and for our guest. And I've got it now in my hand. So now I am obsessed with your cocktail book, The Mixology <laughs> of Astrology, Cosmic Cocktail <laughs> Recipes for Every Side. So can you tell the listeners a bit about it, and then I'm going to describe this drink of the day. Sure. So The Mixology of Astrology was my first book. Um, it came out in 2018, and it is a really fun cocktail book that has 16 cocktail recommendations for every single zodiac sign. So 16 times 12, you could do the math. There are a lot of cocktails featured in yes, this book. Yes. And each one it has an introduction of how it makes sense for that zodiac sign. And also some like interesting history about the cocktails, because something that I have come to discover is that I'm just obsessed with learning. I'm obsessed with research. I'm obsessed with knowledge. So even the process of writing this book, I'm not a mixologist myself. I'm an astrologer, but through the process, I was like, oh my God, the origin of cocktails, how fascinating, how fascinating are all of these things. So that is a little bit about that book. I love it. Well, since we are in Gemini season, I pulled one of the delicious Gemini cocktails from your book, the Key Lime Martini. And Great in choice. it, you have two ounces of vanilla vodka, one ounce of vanilla liqueur, one ounce of lime juice, 
one ounce of pineapple juice, a lime wedge for garnish, as you can see. Combine all ingredients in a shaker filled with ice. Shake until frosty and strain into a martini glass. Gemini season is all about duality. So this sweet and sour martini will be sure to hit the spot this summer. So because we're not together, I'm just going to say cheers in honor of you and astrology. But if we were together, and hopefully one day we will be, we will make this again and we will have it together. Okay. I can't wait. So cheers. Cheers. Yay. And your book is just beautiful. I love the color. I love the cover. And again, all of you listeners out there, go to I've Got a Secret with RobinMcGraw.com and you can see a copy of Elise's book and you're going to want to buy it. Okay. So now how can we use our personal astrology to better our lives and decision making? So another fabulous question. So I think that one of the amazing advantages to working with astrology is that it really helps us tell the truth. And it really helps us understand who we really are, what we really want, what we really need. And coming from a place of honesty and courage and and being allowed to be ourselves and feeling... And feeling... um, legitimate in being ourselves and feeling validated and justified in being who we are and not having to bend to appease and appeal to the external forces in our life, I think allows us to make really aligned choices that offer us the the route to our fullest potential, as opposed to a lot of what I see, you know, with, I saw with myself prior to astrology, and I still see with my clients is that we try to be different than we are, you know, whether it's because our parents were different or society told us we needed to be different, or we are just scared to be vulnerable. And that just, we end up on the wrong path. So I think kind of using astrology to come back home, to come back to self, to say, what do I love to do? What lights me up? What inspires me? Do I like to cry? Do I like to entertain? Do I like to perform? There's no binary of good or bad. It just is. And the more that we can allow ourselves to be true to those innate characteristics, I think that it helps us make better choices. Wow. Could you use astrology as a manifestation tool? Yes. So that is basically what my next upcoming book is all about. Um, So my book, This Is Your Destiny, which is coming out in September 2021, I've been working on for many years. And it is sort of my secret sauce. Um, I'm actually, I'm, I'm really excited because this is the first time I'm talking about it with someone. Um, this is the oh. first moment that I can sort of put my thoughts together verbally on this book that consumed my brain for all of these years. Thank um, you. Thank you for doing it today with me. <laughs> I'm very excited. Um, but basically it's, you know, what I found is that astrology offers us an entry point into our psyche, into our subconscious, into the things that we truly desire. Again, based on, you know, back to that truth. And the more that we can tap into that truth, the more that we can make choices, manifest, um, build rituals, habits, traditions that allow us to bring those dreams into our reality. So astrology is basically a gateway into manifestation and self-actualization. Oh, wow. Wow. I'm so excited. You say that's coming out in September. 
Yes. Oh, just a few months left. I love, 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 love your videos on analyzing romantic relationships based on astrology. Can you explain to the listeners how you do this? It is a really specific, technical, incredibly difficult thing to analyze how two people relate to each other. And the reason is because what I think makes astrology really special and makes it really profound and impactful is that you're not just looking at this concept of a relationship. You're looking at how does person A feel about person B and how does person B feel about person A? So you're really holding up two different diagrams uh, and it's not a single diagram. It's two diagrams to see, well, are the way that each person feels about each other compatible? Because it could be that one person feels really uplifted and energized and inspired by the relationship. And the other person is drained and depleted and paranoid and suspicious. And unfortunately for the person who feels great, that's still not going to be a functional relationship because it's not reciprocal. So we want to look at relationships for the reciprocity. And the way that each person feels about it is obviously going to be unique because each person is unique, but we want them to be complementary, and we want them both to be healing, growing, progressing, getting something positive out of it. So when we're really diving into compatibility, there's a lot of data, there's a lot of information, there's a lot that we're pulling apart. But when we're doing something fun and flirty, and we're looking at, for instance, two celebrities charts that we don't know their birth information, we can sort of boil it down to like, what do we know about how person A feels about person B, person B feels about person A based on whatever information we have available. Right. You know what? This great idea just came to me. Okay. Philip and I will celebrate 45 years of marriage in August. So I think that is incredible. I think it is incredible. Thank you. I think a great anniversary gift for me to give Philip is to hire you to do our charts, right? I would be so honored. And hopefully they turn out like we're meant to be. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I think in this case, you definitely even have like time on your side. (laughs) Yes, I think so. I think, I think that's a big plus 45 years and we've been together 48 years. So almost 49. So I could give you, so you can tell me exactly what you would need. Like you, of course you would need a time of birth for both of us, location you said, and the date. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That would be. And with your relationship, we would not just look at your individual charts, but we would also look at the relationship chart. When did the relationship come to be? And from there, we would also be able to see not just, I mean, we would be able to see not just how you guys feel about each other, but also how the relationship has unfolded and progressed and and changed over time because everything is evolving. You know, everything is always in motion. And as I'm sure you can attest to in your relationship, good, healthy relationships require lots of room for growth. Yes. Don't you agree? That's a great gift, especially anniversary gift. I think that that would be an incredible anniversary gift. And I think it would also be, I mean, it would be an extreme honor for me because I, I mean, that is, I think what so many people are striving to have is a long lasting, healthy, functional relationship. So for me as an astrologer to also get to see what those chart signatures that you guys have that define a long lasting, healthy relationship would be invaluable information. Oh, That's so exciting. So do you think that incompatible astrology really could negatively affect a relationship? Well, nobody has perfect compatibility. True. Uh, True. Because there's no such thing as perfect compatibility. Um, Every relationship requires work. 
hard work, negotiation, compromise. And there are certainly some couples charts that I've seen where I have wanted to flag things that are going to be, you know, that are very likely to come up throughout the relationship as problems, especially, you know, when I would say that the main thing that concerns me in a relationship is when there's too much, when there's too much hidden, you know, uh-huh. when a relationship, when there's not a lot of transparency, when there's past that people don't want to talk about, or where there's things that are off limits for conversation, that definitely mounts. And I believe that secrets breed secrets. So we like to just sort of bring everything out and, you know, move everything into the light as opposed to let it fester in the shadows. But I do think that relationships, you know, some of the more challenging compatibility can really turn out to be some of the most healing relationships because you are really overcoming those wounds and you're facing the darkness and you are um, bravely sort of saying like, no matter what it is, we are in this together, love each other and we're going to make this work. Oh, I think that's wonderful. I think a couple that uh, comes to you to have their charts done is like therapy, really. It's like a very healing and healthy way to grow their relationship, sounds like. Yes, I I think it's very interesting because I, uh, again, you know, there's always the skeptic. I mean, there's a lot of astrology skeptics and they're very rude. (laughs) So like I've had to deal with a lot of that pushback throughout my career. Um, And one of the things I remember them saying is like, oh, but you're not a therapist. And it's like, no, but this work is therapeutic. Yes. You know? Yes. And I, you know, and that is invaluable. Yes. Therapeutic work does is therapeutic work, period. And being able to work with a professional and expert in being able to, to get more dimensionality, more insight, more wisdom about who you are, your relationships, how you relate to other people is invaluable. And I'm sure that person that said that to you went home and thought about everything they learned and eventually changed. Well, that person would definitely not be eligible for getting a reading with me (laughs) because I don't like to work with people who want me to convince them. You know, that's not, I'm not in the business to do that. I don't blame you. I know that you can't necessarily change your astrology, but I'm curious about how self-betterment and working on yourself comes into play here. So how do you account for that in your readings? Well, I actually, you know, tank, there are no coincidences, just a few, just right before we started, I made a little video on, you know, do you find things in your chart challenging? Fantastic. Those are your superpowers. Those are your gifts. They are there for a reason. And the things that are hard to reconcile, either because you found out about something and you read something that freaked you out about it, or because you have embodied that feeling in your life and you're like, oh, that part of who I am is so, I, I don't like it. I don't like how I do this thing. That is a gift. It is an invitation for you to thrive, to um, to get to know it, to face it, and to see how you can turn it from something that is feeding your life in a negative way into something that feeds it in a positive way. Because nothing, everything is on an axis, you know? And that's one of the metaphors of astrology that I like to apply to every aspect of my life is that nothing is just one way. There's always the antithesis. So instead of seeing it as like, oh, this is such a detriment, it's like, well, how has that detriment also been an asset? And reframing it is um, a wonderful offering of astrology. Oh, this is so great. Okay, as this episode is being released, we are in Mercury retrograde. And I hear about this a lot. Can you explain to the listeners what this means? Yes. So Mercury is the planet of communication. Uh, It rules transportation, technology, um, 
obviously the way that we engage with each other, our phones, our computers, basically our entire life is structured around very mercurial things. So when mercury starts moving in the opposite direction, it is obviously going to skew how those things are functioning and lead to miscommunications and meltdowns and technology failures. But I think what's really important for people to know is that mercury doesn't actually move backwards. It's an optical illusion. So what, you know, oftentimes will mercury retrograde will be blamed for like these really cataclysmic, devastating things. And it's not mercury retrograde that's doing that because mercury retrograde would only make things appear more difficult. They wouldn't actually, it wouldn't actually make things more difficult. So it's really about um, our perception and how we understand what's going on in our life. And Mercury retrograde is an opportunity for us to slow down, take a beat and reconsider, reflect rather than just, you know, say and do and, you know, be moving on autopilot. Mercury retrograde invites us to take a little bit more time. And I think that it's a really important part of the cycle. Oh, I love hearing that because it's always labeled such a negative when actually, no, it's really not. And I've also read so many times and been told so many times that Mercury retrograde is a time that you might hear from past friends or past experiences might come to the forefront. Is that true? Yes, that is true. Because Mercury is going, you know, from a metaphoric perspective, Mercury is retracing its steps in the zodiac. So it's going backwards and the it's sort of, you know, any unfinished business is going to be coming back to the surface during that time. Oh, yes, yes, yes. It, very yes, interesting. It is, very, it is a very interesting phenomenon that we often hear from our exes during Mercury retrograde. Oh, great explanation because we can't fight it. It is what it is. It's here. Well, and, uh, yes. And Robin, that's something that I think astrology has really has allowed me to, again, like embed into every aspect of my life is that whenever I hear something that is sort of being approached in this sort of like militant didactic, like this is how it is way astrology has taught me that there's always an access, you know, there always has to be another side. So I am all, whenever I hear astrologers or people who say they're astrologers presenting things really one note, either as positive or negative to me, that's suspicious because I know that nothing is ever just positive or negative. There's a gray area. There's a lot of nuance. So I'm always looking to extract the nuance and the depth from any situation. Oh, I love it. What types of things should we avoid during retrograde? We should definitely avoid impulse decisions and we should avoid impulse text messages, emails. You definitely do not want to send your boss the email that you are preparing to send to your new crush, for instance, that is a very frightening truth of Mercury retrograde. And, you know, I would say also, you know, I always tell people to pad their itineraries with extra time for delays and traffic and just sort of like, you know, those very chaotic annoyances that come from things being a little slower. Um, but I myself do not practice that at all. Uh -huh. I am so uh -huh. bad Good. at it. And I often schedule the most important things in my life during Mercury retrograde and then regret it. <laughs> oh, how funny. That's so funny because I'm seldom late for anything. I like, I'm one of those that need to make sure I have plenty of time to make an appointment, get to the office like today. And this morning, I allowed myself plenty of time 
but I was running so late. <laughs> I was, I've walked in at, at a very late time for me. And it seemed like I came upon two or three different road closures or bad traffic and just an odd way. So I thought, uh, it's retrograde. <laughs> Those sound like very retrograde things to have happened. Road yeah. closure, like random road yes. closures. Yes. Yes. It was just, <laughs> Absolutely. It was, and I just immediately went, well, it's retrograde. Of course, it took me three hours to get out of the house. And Phillip's out of town. And it was just me. And I'm like, I have nothing to keep me so busy. I should have had plenty of time, but anyway. Okay. So on the flip side, is there a certain time when people should be taking more risks? I mean, I really always want to encourage people to take risks. I think that bravery is really, that's kind of what makes life fulfilling and being courageous is really important. So I would even if that means that you make mistakes during retrograde, or we're also currently in eclipse season right now, which is a very volatile time, uh, things to be very unpredictable during eclipse season, you know, at the risk of someone doing something and slipping on a banana peel and slipping backwards and, you know, having a bucket on their head, I would still say it's better to take a risk than stay in your comfort zone. I always want to encourage people, not obviously like gambling risks, yeah, yeah. but I think that people challenging themselves to be brave and to do things that are truly aligned with what they desire. Um, it, you, you should do that as much as possible. I love that. I've always been one to be open to trying something new. I love change, just open to anything, but that's healthy the change. spice of life. Yeah. I think that that is what makes, um, you know, a life really feel fulfilling and feel, you know, and there's obviously a lot of fear and there's things that are scary about stepping outside of your comfort zone. But I more often encounter people uh, sort of bemoaning that it took them so long to institute something as opposed to when they actually do it and see how it unfolds. Yeah. So I want to talk about your upcoming book. This is your destiny using astrology to manifest your best life. This book became an Amazon bestseller on pre-sale orders alone. What can readers take away from your book? So this is a book that I've been working on for many years. Um, I, you know, sort of coming back full circle, when I was writing the mixology of astrology, I was like, this is a, I, I love this book so much. This isn't my tour de force, but I love this book. This, this is your destiny is my tour de force. You know, that was the book that I, I, when I, uh, made the proposal for it and I pitched it and I said, you know, I want this book to synthesize every, all the ways astrology has changed my life. And I want this book to synthesize all of the ways that I've seen astrology change people's lives. Um, this is a book, not about what astrology is. It's about what astrology does and how astrology is so impactful and how astrology is really a tool for self-actualization. And that is, what the book is really structured around. So there's each chapter addresses a different topic in life. So we have a chapter on identity, a chapter on money, relationships, career, romantic intimacy, challenges, and intuition. And it talks about how I, I talk about my client work and I give different examples of clients. And then also from my own life of how the wisdom of astrology has illuminated how to make sense of these important areas. And then each chapter also has two manifestations, 
one to be performed in the physical realm, something you do externally, and then one to be performed in the astral, something you do internally in order to help you align with your truth. Oh, I love how you described it because I love books that not only defines the topic, but gives the examples. Yes. And there are so many wonderful books about the descriptions of the 12 zodiac signs and the planets. And I read them and I think they're fabulous. And what I found is that there wasn't really a book that gets personal about how it actually is applied as opposed to just theoretical. So this is the application of astrology from my own personal experience. And it gets very intimate. Um, and then as well with my clients and some stories that are are really, you know, some are are really hard to read because they're true and life can be really hard, but it can also be really, really rewarding. And I do think that astrology makes things make sense. Oh, I'm so excited for you and for all of us. You know, I mentioned earlier that I do two things with every podcast and we've done our drink of the day. We've talked about it. I've shown it to you. And the second thing we do is play a game. I love games. Oh, good. I love games too. I love games. That's why I said <laughs> when I started this podcast, I have to do a game of the day. So all right, Secret Squad, for today's game, Aliza has agreed to give us some juicy details and insights about the summer of 2021. The world is starting to open up, so I'm dying to hear how the next few months are looking from an astrological point of view. Give us some good news, Aliza. <laughs> well, I the the main astrology for the summer that I'm super excited to talk about is going to actually be taking place in August, August 22nd, we have a blue moon. And this is going to, a blue moon has actually many different definitions. Um, this definition, sometimes it's two full moons in a month, or it's two full moons in the same zodiac cycle. This is two full moons in the same zodiac cycle. So in July, on July 23rd, we have a full moon in Aquarius. And then on August 22nd, we have another full moon in Aquarius. So we have two full moons in the same zodiac sign, which is going to be really monumental for people who have Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, or Aquarius in their birth chart, because that is going to be really directly impacting those individuals. But for everyone, when we have the opportunity to have two full moons in a zodiac sign, this means that that narrative is going to be extra, extra, extra juicy. So the things that happen at the end of July are going to then be realized in the end of August. So we're going to have like part one and part two of a story unfolding in a really miraculous and magical way. So this is an incredible time to manifest this is an incredible time to align, you know, what do I want to create? What are the things, what are my goals? What are my intentions? What are my dreams? And to align them with these moons, because these are going to be supercharged because we don't just have, you know, it's not just one, we have the power of two of them working with us. So I think this is going to be an incredible time for people who like to work with the moon, like to work with the lunar cycle to ramp up their manifestation practice. Wow. I love that. I'm really excited. So just say one thing that you can prepare everyone to be thinking about doing. I love releasing for the full moon. New moons are a great time to plant seeds, 
um, and to set intentions and full moons are a great time to release things that are not working for you. So what I would love to invite people to do is on the first of these in July to really plan to let go, you know, say whether it is you're speaking it into the universe or you're writing it in a journal or you are writing it on a piece of paper and burning with a candle, whatever you want to do in a safe way under the full moon to use the July moon to really let it go. And then come late August to see what has arrived in its place, because that is what this, this double full moon is going to give us the opportunity. There's a reason that we see werewolves on the full moon. It's not because they're not there during the new moon. It's because we have the lunar visibility to show us what's there. So we're going to get a lot of insight, a lot of information, a lot of exposure during these full moons. So we're going to have a beautiful opportunity to really get to see like, what is functional in my life and what do I need to leave behind? And I think that that is an incredible invitation to align with our purpose and our destiny. Oh, I am so excited. I've never been one to wish for time to pass quickly so we can get <laughs> to it, but I'm going to be honest with you. I cannot wait for July. I think it's going to be phenomenal. Oh. <gasps> Thank you so much. This has gone way too fast for me. I, I wish it wasn't over. But sadly, that brings us to the end of today's episode. And Elisa, this was so much fun and so brilliant and so interesting. Can you tell everyone how to find you online and where to pre-order your new book, This Is Your Destiny, Using Astrology to Manifest Your Best Life? So everyone could find me on all of the social media platforms at Aliza Kelly, A-L-I-Z-A-K-E-L-L-Y. My website is alizakelly.com and my book is available wherever books are sold. So please pre-order a copy um, and I can't wait to be making magic with you all very soon. That's so wonderful. Secret Squad, make sure to rate and review this podcast and visit I've Got a Secret with RobinMcGraw.com for more information on today's episode. I hope you loved hearing about this fun topic. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.